Welcome everybody to our new Tanya series. So excited to be here. I feel like making a bracha shech yanu. This was a dream for a long time and I'm really excited that we're, we're finally doing this. Just a few short notes before we begin. One of the reasons why I didn't do Tanya for a long time is because the Baruch Hashem is a wealth of recordings and translations and so much materials online and in Sfarim everywhere in so many different languages. So I just want to say that this, what we're going to be doing today is in no way a replacement for all the other resources. If you are new to the Tanya, then this is going to be a good introduction. I recommend there's a safer called Lessons in Tanya, which is a few volumes. It is a very, very accurate, detailed, wonderful translation of the Tanya. And that will be a really good companion to this series because in our learning together, we're not going to be going through every single word in the Tanya, but doing the actual text in the Tanya with an accurate translation will be very, very helpful. So get that safer. It's called Lessons in Tanya. It's also available on Chabad.org online. You can just follow along with the chapters that we're doing here. You can follow along there on Chabad.org. Search up Lessons in Tanya. Another excellent resource is Rabbi Naftali Silberberg is a master teacher, and he has the entire Sefer Tanya, all 53 Prakim are online in wonderful classes on Torah Cafe, Dot com. That's TorahCafe.com. Search up on the series, Rabbi Naftali Silberberg's Tanya series. It is also on YouTube. Search up Rabbi Naftali Silberberg, chapter one, Tanya chapter one. You'll see there's sometimes two classes for every chapter, sometimes three. It is so clear and beautiful and meaningful and really, really good. That's a really good resource for anyone who wants to study the Tanya in depth. What we're going to be doing is add another and specifically explore how these ideas in the Tanya step guide for emotional wellness. So if you're listening now, you could get the outline to what we have. It's on the link on the chat. For those of you who are listening on the hotline, email to info at edliving.org. And I will, Ezra Sashem, send you the notes. That's I-N-F-O at energizedliving.org, not .com.org. There is a passage in Chumash, Kikare ve'elach ha'adavar ma'ayid b'fi'cha uv'ulvavcha la'asaysay. It is very near, not just close, but very close to you to be able to do, fulfill entire Torah all of the time in your heart, not just in your behavior, but also in your emotions. And the big question that the Baal Tanya asks is, wow, what? So easy? It's so possible to fulfill all the mitzvahs all the time, really stay connected with Hashem all the time? And the entire Sefer is an answer to that question. Let us jump right in to chapter one. Just one more thought. Tanya is not Tylenol. It is not a quick fix. Although it is instantly inspiring and energizing, it's not a quick fix. Doing this work will give us a deeper healing and a deeper sense with our neshama, with Hashem, and inner security and strength that we can bring into our lives and to every single one of our relationships. Okay, we're going to begin in chapter one. I am going to refer to Tanya text, but if you don't have one in front of you, that's fine. We're not, being, we're not doing the entire text in, in, inside. The beginning of Tanya, Tanya begins with these words, Parak Aleph Tanya. 
we learn in Seif Paragimel Danida in the Gemara that Mashbiim Isai, before the Shama comes down to the world, the Neshama is made to swear, be a tzaddik, don't be a Russia, and even if the entire world says that you're a tzaddik, you should consider yourself a Russia. Now, the Baltania has a bunch of questions about this. It, doesn't it say, first of all, doesn't it say in Perkeyavais, do not see yourself, do not consider yourself to be a Russia? So the, 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 the overriding question of all of this is, what is the ideal way to view ourselves? Are we intended? Does the Torah want us? Does Hashem want us? Does Chazal inspire us and teach us to view ourselves as good people or bad people? Am I a good person or am I a bad person? Now, this is the opening question that Baal says that he's going to answer all the questions all the, he's going to share all the answers to all the questions in this book. And it's very interesting that this, who am I? How should I see myself? Is the very first question. And the reason is because we naturally see ourselves at the center of our universe and we engage in our lives from that perspective. So the first message we want to remember and keep in mind is that when we change the way we see ourselves, we change everything in our entire life. One little thought that I meant to say in the beginning while we're learning, I'm going to separate what's actually translated in what's actually in the text and what's my own thought. So that idea of the fact that this is the opening question because we naturally see ourselves, you know, at the center of our universe, that is my own, my own, uh, my own, it doesn't say that directly in the Tanya. Okay, now the Balatanya has a question. First of all, that it's a contradiction to what we know in in, in Perkyavis, it says, don't consider yourself to be a bad person. Don't see yourself as a bad person. Another question he asks is, if you see yourself as a bad person, if you see yourself as a Russia, you will be sad. And when you're sad, you can't serve Hashem with joy. So the inherent statement in that is that it's not ideal. It's not the path to wholesome, energized living. It's not the path that takes us into the place where we want, it's not connecting us to Hashem. It's not ideal because the sadness makes it impossible to serve Hashem with joy. So then the Baal Tanya introduces another possibility and he says, well, okay, so a person might say, fine, so I'll, I'll consider myself to be a Russia, but I won't be sad about it. I won't let it bother me. I'll get over it. I'll be above it. I'll be, I'll put on a raincoat that will slip right off my back. It's not going to bother me. Nothing. It's, it's not going to impact me. To that, the Balatanya says something very fascinating. He says, you know what? An attitude of it's bad, but I don't care is even worse than feeling sad. It is spiritually dangerous. And to this, the Balatanya says, you could come to callous. You could come to completely irreverence. You could come to a place of not caring at all. And to that, the Balatanya says, chas v'shalom. Meaning we know that it's not ideal, my own, my own thought, we know that it's not ideal to serve, it's ideal to serve Hashem with joy. And the Baal clearly tells us that feeling sad is a contradiction to our mandate to be joyous. If do us Hashem besimcha, serve Hashem with joy. Joy is such a fundamental part of serving Hashem. So clearly feeling sad is a contradiction, but there's something even worse than feeling sad. And that is not feeling at all. In describing this possibility, 
The Baal Tanya adds the words chas v'shalom, God forbid. Because, and I think this is my own thought here, as spiritually sensitive people, we appreciate the value of being joyous, right? And because we're determined to feel happy, I am going to be a happy person. Why? Because I believe in Hashem. If I'm a believer in Hashem, then I'm, I'm going to be happy because you're supposed to be happy. So then if I take on that determination, if I make that resolution, that decision, I'm going to be happy. What might happen is that subconsciously, I may avoid opening my heart to the natural pain, frustration, and sadness that is a part of being human and it's part of being alive. We may think that it's holy to be unaffected by, un uh, by unpleasant realities. I'm going to be a person that's totally not impacted by the negativity, by, by sadness, by pain, by suffering. In these very first few lines of Tanya, the Baal Tanya advises us that there's nothing holy about avoiding our messy emotions. A healthy person is supposed to feel sad when faced with a sad reality, right? If your heart doesn't feel bothered by this bothersome reality, by this objectively bothersome reality, you could come to irreverence. You could come to stop caring altogether. So rejecting or avoiding our unpleasant emotions is actually not holy. It is spiritually dangerous. Disrupting the natural connection between our mind and our heart can easily lead to emotional dysfunction. It can easily lead to us not caring, switching off our, our emotions. That is far from where we want to go to that. Now, throughout the Tanya, we are going to learn how to experience the full range of our emotions, even our unpleasant ones, our pain, our, 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 our sadness, our self-hate, our tendency to all that stuff. We're going, to, we're going to learn tools for how to experience those emotions and process them from a position of strength and clarity because definitely we want to be, we want to live with joy. So it's not like, okay, let's have a, you know, let's sit down and park in a place of misery and self-pity and pain and sadness. That's not what the Baltani is advising. We're going to learn how to process those emotions, but to ignore them, to make ourselves into people who don't feel, who are not bothered by objectively bothersome realities, that could lead to emotional dysfunction, and there's nothing holy about that. Okay, so after that, after that question, which the Baal does not answer till much later, but the question remains, how should we see ourselves? Now the Baal tells us, the idea is that we find five different categories, five different labels, five different ways that we can see ourselves. And the Balatanya is going to tell us that. I'm not going to read this inside. We have three primary ones, Tzadik, Russia, and Benini. Tzadik, we commonly understand the word Tzadik to mean a perfect, righteous person, a person who could do nothing wrong. A Russia is a terrible, evil person, a person who could do nothing right. And a Bainani, we commonly understand a Bainani to mean a perfect mix of, a mix of perfect and ter terrible. A person who is sometimes perfect and sometimes terrible. And my own thought on this is that, you know, pre-Tanya, without the Tanya, we could think, we thought, 
We could either be perfect or terrible. We thought that being average means sometimes perfect and sometimes terrible. Our failures were shameful. Our mistakes were permanent scars. And this is obviously not a recipe for joyous, energized living. The Baal Tanya teaches us that these labels are only technical terms to be used in context of assessing behavior. They're only used, Tzadik Rasha Benini, the Baal Tanya says, is only at the end of this whole discussion about these words. The Baal Tanya tells us these words are only a description of our behavior. They are not the definitive truth of who we are on the inside, of who we actually are, because we are much, much more than our behavior. We are actually more than anything that can be seen or touched on our external selves. So what's the answer? So who are we? So how should we see ourselves? Okay, so if we shouldn't see, so we're gonna throw out those words, Sadiq, Russia, Benini. Benini is something that we're going to learn that we want to aspire to, but we're gonna throw out the commonly understood definitions of those words. We're no longer gonna define ourselves as Sadiq, Russia, or Benini, meaning I'm a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad person, or awesome, wonderful, fantastic, you know, if you listen to yourself talking, you might find that when your kids listen to you or your husband listens to you, you say, thank you, you're so amazing. And when they don't listen to you, you say, you're such an idiot, right? What about being regular? <laughs> you're either awesome, either wonderful, amazing. He takes out the garbage, what a tzaddik. Doesn't take out the, 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 the garbage, what a Russia. What a Russia. You know, it's like, whoa we're so we're either terrible or wonderful and i don't know about you but i think we i know i do that to myself pre-tanya and we could all do that to ourselves so that's not what we're going to do and bainani is something we don't want to be because who wants to be sometimes terrible and sometimes we all want to be you know we all want to be exotic there was a lot of the pre-tanya there's a lot of angst a lot of a lot of confusion a lot of self-hate a lot of beating ourselves up because if I'm not perfect, then I must be awful. And I, and I don't wanna be awful. So I'm gonna determine myself. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna think that I'm perfect. And if I'm perfect, I can't hear mistakes. Don't you dare criticize me because if you criticize me, then I'm gonna be awful. I'm gonna be horrible. So this kind of thinking, this extreme labeling of ourselves is very it's, it's it's very toxic to our well-being. So we're going to learn a new set, a new set of definitions. We're going to learn a new meaning of the words sadik, Russia, and Bainini. But before we can acquire new understanding of what these words mean, we need to know so we need to go a little bit deeper. We need to know what's going on inside of ourselves. And what's going on inside of ourselves is the fact that we have two completely different souls, Steinefashes. Achbir Indian, the explanation of this is according to the writings of Rab Chaim Vital, that every single every single year, no matter what labels you put upon yourself, we have two souls. They are two life forces. So in searching for an answer, to the question of how to see ourselves, we first need to see what is going on inside. We need to know our spiritual anatomy. 
And that is that we are driven by two completely different forces. Our two different forces are not just parts of ourselves. They're like two completely different engines. Our psyche and like our whole body actually is like a car. It's like one car with two drivers who are constantly fighting over the steering wheel and the brakes. Okay, here's a, my own thought on what's going on, on what's coming up next, okay? In this chapter, after the Baatanya tells us that we're going to the, the explanation of all of this, of understanding how to see ourselves, we're going to reach that understanding, that insight, that appreciation through first examining and exploring what our, our inner spiritual anatomy, right? My own reflection of that is like, um, we use the words good and bad very easily. And because we're measuring value, I want to take a minute to reflect about that. Okay. What, you know, sometimes we say something is good, something is bad. And we, we say those words, we throw around the words good and bad as if their meaning is absolute. And the truth is that the meaning of good and bad is never absolute. In fact, each of us attaches value to different things in different ways. There's no universal understanding of good and bad in the world. Obviously, there's a moral compass, compass that everybody agrees that life is good and that, you know, everybody agrees that certain things are good, but actually even those definitions are eroding. The Balatanya, but, but, but we still use those words as if we all agree on what's good and bad, right? The Balatanya introduces us to entire, an entirely new paradigm of how to measure value. This perfectly simplistic paradigm gives us so much clarity. I love it. It's so, 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 so clear. It liberates us from confusion, from self-doubt, and from self-hate. It's, it liberates us because when this paradigm becomes our personal measuring system, we're very well on our way to the goodness we want in our lives. I'll give you an example. You know, I was recently speaking with somebody and she is a little bit different from her family in terms of her dress. Let's say they only wear, you know, a certain kind of tights and she wears a different kind of tights or they don't wear certain kind of makeup and she does wear a certain kind of makeup. So in her, in her, in her education, good is in the box, bad is out of the box. So if I wear makeup, I must be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad person. And I may as well, I may as well be Machal Shabbos, Chas v'shalom, because I'm anyways a bad person. I'm not going to anyways, I'm, I'm either good, I'm either in the box or I'm not in the box. Now that's, I'm sharing with you a very, very extreme example. But, you know, we, we do it to ourselves. If I look at myself, I am a messy person. As I say, I'm a messy person, I'll casually drop my shirt that I just took off onto the floor instead of hanging it up in the closet because I'm a messy person. So it gives me permission to do messy things and engage and indulge in messy behaviors. So we wanna be very careful about how we use the words good and bad. And in fact, we wanna be very careful about how we use any negative, unproductive and destructive, ugly, shameful, blameful, toxic labels 
because they really could be disempowering to ourselves and to our children, to our husbands, to anybody in our life. Negative labels are, could be very toxic. The Baal Tanya gives us a whole different paradigm for how to measure value. And I think if we stick to this value system, it is so, so, so clarifying and liberating. What's the Balatanya's paradigm for measuring value? He says, he doesn't say this straight out now in this parrot, but it comes up a little bit later, but I'm bringing it up here. I'll tell you why in a minute. Hashem is the one, in the Balatanya's book, in the Balatanya's perspective, there is only one value, and that is Hashem. There's only one goodness, and that is Hashem. There's only one truth, and that is Hashem. Hashem is the one and only true value and goodness. So from that perspective, anything that is connected with Hashem's truth is valuable and therefore desirable. And anything that is disconnected from Hashem's truth is other to valuable and is therefore undesirable. So in making a decision, instead of thinking of ourselves, if, if this is good, this is bad, and we never want to do anything bad, and we always want to do good, which leads us to so much confusion and cloudiness and, you know, people pleasing and, and a lot of stuff that could really get in our way of wholesome, energized living. We can take on this paradigm. Is this of, of the Baal Tanya connection to Hashem? Great. Disconnection from Hashem? Not for me. Connection to my neshama, to truth, to value, to 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 living with more um, awareness of Hashem and the preciousness of, of my neshama, I'm in. If it doesn't coincide, if it contradicts Hashem's truth, or if it contradicts the truth of my dignity, my worthiness, my neshama's empowerment, my neshama's beautiful light, it's not for me. It doesn't belong to me. Okay, that was my introduction to now we could understand when we talk about the, the animal self, because we're going to do this now, okay? We're going to meet the two, we're going to meet the first in this chapter, chapter one, we're going to meet the first of our two animal selves, of our two souls. We're going to meet the first of our two souls, and that is known as our Nefesh Bahamas, our animal self. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to, if, you, if anybody has questions on what we did till now, unmute yourself and ask. Thank you for asking your question. You're asking, I'm repeating your question because for the recording, we quoted the Baal Tanya as saying that somebody who doesn't, who, who says, I am, I can consider myself a Russia, which is object, objectively not an ideal situation. I can sit, I could consider myself a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad person. And I won't let it bother me. It does not bother me. That is, that is what the Baal Tanya says. What, we're, what I'm personally understanding from that is what makes a person able to say, I am a Russia, meaning I'm a bad person and I don't care. For a person to be able to say that, that means they are switching off their emotions. I'm not going to let it bother me. I will just not care. Apathy is worse than is, a, is the beginning of many, of, of, of many disasters. It's a, a spiritually dangerous. Now, it, this truth about turning off our emotions, the Baal Tanya is talking about the danger of turning off our emotions to a negative label. My personal understanding is that it's not just 
dangerous to turn off our emotions about a negative label. It's also dangerous because the rule that the Baal Tanya is saying, if you have realities that you say it's bad, but I don't care about it. If you make it, if we make ourselves into such a person that is spiritually dangerous, not just in reference to our view of ourselves as a good person or a bad person, but also in view of everything else in our lives. In terms of like, if we can say, well, this is very, you know, this, this, the gullus is really terrible, but you know, I'm not gonna, I don't care. You know, someone else is poor, but you know, it's not my business. You're crying, but it's got nothing to do with me. So I don't care. If we do that, if we shut off our emotions, it's spiritually and emotionally dangerous. I hope that answers your question. So you're asking, isn't it true that it's impossible to ever be disconnected from Hashem? So how is this paradigm serving us? Especially if we consider ourselves to be disconnected, then that makes us further disconnect right. ourselves. So I don't think there's a contradiction between what you're saying now, between your question and what we're talking about before, because the Baal Tanya is saying, look, there's two things. There's truth and there's our experience of the truth. Right. The truth is we a yid could could never and will never it's not possible to disconnect from hashem it's right impossible. that's the truth from right. our experience my best example from this is you know for this is the sun is shining and that's the truth it's shining and it will shine and there's nothing i could do to stop the sun from shining but there is something that i could do to stop myself from experiencing that sunshine. I could pull down the window shades. So yes, a Jew can never disconnect from Hashem. Right. None of us, there's nothing we could do that could disconnect us from Hashem. And yet we could engage in behaviors that makes us experience a state of disconnection. We could turn down the dial or we could amplify our connection with Hashem. Thank you so much, you said that beautifully. So let's explore from this understanding of what is good and bad, throwing out the old definition of good and bad, where it's just objective and taking on the Baal Tanya's perspective of good and bad being connecting or disconnecting. Now let's go into exploring our, what is our animal self? For those of you who are following along in the notes, I am on number seven. Um, I am number six where the Baal Tanya says, Nefesh achas achvir in the chal ish Yisrael echad sadek v'echad rasha yeshtein ashamas, we said that already, dechsev v'neshamas ane asisi, shehein shtein afashas, these are two life forces. Nefesh achas mitzad haklipa v'sitra achra. Our first soul, our first driver, our first life force is from the side of klipa and sitra achra. It's from the other side and it's a, shell. Uh, it's a peel, a shell. Now, before we look at this, most people, if you're new to Tanya, when you hear the word klipa, you think of long green nails and a monster. In the Baal Tanya's book, klipa means a shell, a covering, something that covers up the truth. A shell, a peel has a double function. Two things that it does is it hides and protects what it's in, what's inside of it. So too, right, if you have a peel of an apple, the apple, the peel protects the fruit so it stays white and delicious and juicy and clean. And it also hides the fruits. Until, the, until, until you take off the peel, 
you cannot see the fruit. But this is not a bad thing. It actually is a good thing because it protects the, the cleanliness and the freshness of the fruit that's inside of it. So too, the Baal Tanya uses the word klipa to express the hiddenness of Hashem because Hashem has hidden himself in this world. And the outside of his hiddenness, there is a layer of appeal. It's like a whole long, the whole world is covered in peels. Whenever we're peeling fruit for, Erev, you know, on Erev, Khan, on Erev Pesach and peeling those potatoes, as I sit and peel a case of potatoes and another potato, always think about how the whole world is covered in a peel of concealment, concealing the truth of Hashem. But this peel that covers Hashem's presence in the world serves two functions. And that's why the Baal specifically uses the word peel and probably why the Zayhar also uses the word peel, klipa, a shell, because it's a double function. Yes, it conceals. And from that perspective, it can seem unpleasant and negative and, you know, awful. At the same time, it also protects what's inside. Because the reason why Hashem put the covered himself in this world is so that we will choose Hashem despite his hiddenness, despite the existence of that covering. And when we make that choice, we allow Hashem's truth to shine forth with greater intensity, right? Because when we take off that klipa, when we take off the shell, when we take off the, the, the peel of an apple, now you can enjoy the fruit much better than if there would never have been a peel. So too, when we remove that layer, when we get past the layer that hides Hashem's presence and we choose Hashem, we are allowing Hashem's truth to shine forth with much greater intensity, the intensity of light that shines forth from the darkness. And in that sense, the klipa is not necessarily a bad thing. We'll discuss later that there's two forms of klipa, one, a removable peel, and one is a peel that cannot be removed and therefore is not for us to play with. But for now, the Baal Tanya says that our animal self is made up, it's comprised of, it's, it comes from the side, the other side. It comes from the side of klipa, and it comes from klipa and the other side. And again, we spoke about good and bad and the others, I want to bring that into this definition of the other side because it's a word that the Baal Tanya will use a lot. The one and only good is Hashem. Everything else we're going to describe as relative to that truth. So our Nefesh Bahamas, it's not good, it's not bad. It comes from otherness. It's other to the truth of Hashem. It's not proclaiming Hashem's truth. So it's on the other side of that truth. It's on the other side of the value and desirability that comes with exposure of Hashem's truth. From here on throughout the Tanya, the Baal Tanya frequently uses the word ra, evil. Now I know this from previous times that we've done Tanya in person. Spiritually sensitive people are very sensitive to the word evil. It triggers very, very, it triggers a lot of shame and unpleasant emotions. When we hear the word evil, our mind paints pictures of sinister monsters and creepy ugliness. In the Tanya, the meaning of this word is entirely different. It doesn't mean monsters. It doesn't mean long, green, creepy nails. It doesn't mean murderers, thieves, or bad people. It, in the Baal Tanya's paradigm, 
The only good is Hashem and connection with Hashem. And from this perspective, evil means disconnection from Hashem. And evil also means the possibility of disconnection from Hashem. So Sitra Achra, where is our, where's our Nefesh Bahamis? It's on the other side of Hashem's exposed presence. It's on the other side of Hashem's, of Hashem's truth. I'm up to number eight, a continuation of the Val Tana's description of our Nefesh HaBahamis. This life force, our animal self, is enclosed in the blood, in our blood, and it gives life to our, it gives life to us. And that's why our animal self, because it's part of our blood, it's, it's embedded into our blood, and it's charged with the energy, the possibility, it gives us our physical life. Our animal self is our drive to perpetuate our physical life. It's to perpetuate our physical life. And ultimately it's also that part of us will see soon that pursues all comfort and pleasure to magnify and perpetuate um, that, that, that life for itself. And from our animal self comes Again, from this animal self comes all four animal elements from which we get all our, and I translate it as our disconnecting impulses because the, the animal self is commonly understood to mean, it's not bad, it's an energy that could be transformed. It's a potential, it's a possibility. Yes, it has the possibility for connection, for disconnection, but it also has the possibility for profound connection with Hashem, for transformation, for greater energy. So the, that's why I translated the word ra'is. It's bad the, in the Baal, according to the Tanya, bad here means it's our disconnecting impulses. So let's go through those four elements because they're very, very fascinating. Our animal self is the part of us that gives us our basic human impulses, impulses and tendencies. And the four elements are as follows. First, we have fire. Fire rises above. Fire is always rising upward. It's, only, it's the only physical existence, the only physical creation that rises up. Fire within us is the drive to rise and the drive to burn passionately. From the element of fire, we have the drive to inflate our ego and to see ourselves as better than other people. And this is also our drive to get angry because from pride comes anger. How dare you insult me? How dare you disrespect me? How dare you do that, right? We, we get angry when we're not elevated and respected. This is also our drive to invest ourselves with burning, you know, with burning passion. That's our fire. Water is the drive to indulge in pleasure because water gives birth to all of pleasures. Water is what makes everything in the world grow. So water is the drive that we have to indulge in pleasure. This is our drive to pursue comfort and avoid discomfort by any cost. This is our drive to keep our habits flowing in our established patterns. Even when we dislike our habits, we're gonna, we are driven to keep those habits going. I don't like that I eat ice cream every single day, but I'm gonna keep doing it because my water, I'm driven to, to keep, in my, to stay in my comfort zone, to not change, avoid the uncomfortable work of changing my habits and my thought patterns. That's water. Wind is our drive to blow nothingness. From the element of wind, 
we have our drive to waste time. Nobody ever here wastes time, right? <laughs> Somebody said a really good line recently. They said, killing time is suicide on an installment plan. Killing time is suicide on an installment plan. I love it. So from the element of wind, we have our drive to waste time as we drift off into meaningless pursuits. This is our drive to disengage from meaningful pursuits and instead fly off into nothingness. And sometimes that nothingness could be wild. Sometimes it's our drive to indulge in what we're gonna call fun and laughter in a way that keeps us disconnected from Hashem. It's not meaningful fun, it's just, let me get out of here, let me escape, right? What's the difference between a holiday and a yomtif? We're, we're coming up to a yomtif of Hanukkah. What's the difference between a holiday and a yomtif? The Goyim also have holidays, Lahavdu. What's the difference? A holiday is an escape from reality. Let me go off. Let me go with the wind. I'm going to have a vacation. I'm going to do something that I never get to do. I'm going to escape a little bit from my regular life. A yomtif is a time to get deeper into reality, not escape from reality, get deeper into reality and get new strength to deal with our reality from, from a place of greater strength and greater light. In this case, it's a greater possibility for miracles and, and, and beautiful light. So wind is our drive. I'm sorry, I got distracted. Wind is our, you see my wind. Wind is, nah, it's not wind. I don't know. You Can see? I ask you a question? Yeah. Woman, I want to, I want to finish this. Sorry. Okay. Um, wind is our drive to blow nothingness. And, um, and then earth, the last of our four elements is the drive to sink into laziness or sluggish sadness because earth is heavy. So anything that pulls us down comes from earth. This is our drive to procrastinate, to feel stuck, to feel disempowered, self-pity, depressed. I'm not talking about clinical depression. This is our drive towards lethargic inertia and a depressing attitude, self-pity. I am miserable. I was miserable yesterday. It can't get worse, but I'll be an optimist and I'll say it could get worse. That's the wind. That's the earth in us. Now, my own reflection on all of this is so fascinating. All of the above qualities sound so ugly. They sound so, my goodness, I don't want to have those things. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be the kind of person who just wastes time in meaningless stuff and just, you know, tries to escape reality with a kind of fun, wildness, and, and, and not disengaging. I don't want to be a person who's in constant pursuit of comfort and pleasure and who's deathly allergic to discomfort. I don't want to be person a person who gets angry just because somebody wasn't so nice to me. I don't, want to, I don't want to be that kind of person, but you know what? Guess what? Hashem made us this way. All of these qualities are a natural inherent part of who we are. We're wired with so much potential for disconnection. So there's no shame in having these impulses and these tendencies, just as there's no shame in having fingernails. Maybe my face is prettier than my fingernails, right? But I'm going to embrace my fingernails because it's part of my body. It's part of how Hashem made me. So too, I might like my kindness better than I like my tendency to do kindness better than I like my tendency to procrastinate, my tendency to be messy, my tendency to be lazy, my tendency to, to get into a bad mood. So, but still, we want to embrace all of ourselves because in our commitment to connect with Hashem and with our neshama, these weaknesses give us the opportunity for deeper connection. Remember, it's like a peel. Just like the peel of the fruit that hides 
and protects the fruit, these weaknesses, yes, they hide our inner light. They're, they conceal the beauty, the majestic, unstoppable light of our neshama, but they're also springboards from which that very neshama will shine forth with greater intensity. Think about it. If you are feeling lazy, the only way to get past that laziness is to push yourself. And where are you going to push yourself from? You're pushing yourself from a deeper place inside of you, a place that's deeper than your laziness. And if you never felt lazy, you never had to push yourself. If we have to, if we are, if we naturally feel sorry for ourselves, if we naturally feel like a piece of dust, like a shmata, like a nothing, like earth, from the earth component in us, we feel like we're down, we're stuck, we're helpless, we're, 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 we're pitiful, we're, we're nebachtik victims, right, of our life circumstances and, and challenges. If we feel that way, the only way we could get past that is if we dig deeper inside, inside of ourselves and find that wellspring of dignity, of courage, of compassion, of strength, of empowerment that is deeper than that shell, that's deeper than that peel of all that we are experiencing in our consciousness. We have to dig deep into our subconscious and, and unleash that deeper light. So you see what I'm saying, how this klipa is both a concealment, in that sense, it's challenging at times, but it's also the impetus, it's the springboard from which our inner light will shine forth with much greater strength and intensity. Another thought on this, you know, it's very interesting. We, we, we just, we're doing the first chapter of Tanya. This is actually the second, this information is on the second page of the entire Tanya, the second page of the first chapter in Tanya. And it's interesting that the very first piece of information amongst the very first piece of information we're learning is that we are wired for a strong possibility for disempowerment and disconnection. It's like, why? Why is that? So my own thought about this is that when a wise friend is giving you directions, they tell you about the possible dangers along the path, right? Without this awareness, it's likely, it's like, you're going to go down the road, you're going to see there's going to be, um, you know, those stick figures that blow a lot of hot air. It's going to jump out at you. It's going to, don't, don't worry. It's, it's, it's nothing. Just go walk right past it. You know, you're going to pass by a corner. It's going to look like you missed the exit. But you didn't keep going. The exit is right there. You know, people will tell you what unpleasant potholes and obstacles to look out for along the way. Because if not, when you in without this awareness, if we would meet up with those inevitably with the dangers or the or the cloudiness or the uncertainty, we could be frightened by them or even hurt by them. But knowing about them in advance makes all the difference. It's the difference also between walking in the darkness or walking in the bright sunshine. In the darkness, if there's a pit, you fall right into it. In the darkness, if there's an obstacle, if there's a stone, you trip over it. We have no idea that it's there. We have no idea what it is. And that just increases our fear and it increases our possibility of being hurt by it. So too, if we wouldn't know about our Nefesh Bahamas, if we wouldn't know about these four elements and our possibilities for all these unpleasant emotions and all these uh, tendencies, which if left untended, they become tendencies that be left untended. Interesting. 
if we if we if we if we let loose if we just don't even bother trying to rein in our tendencies and impulses we 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 create toxicity in our lives right but without knowing about it how could we put a leash on it how could we control how could we contain it how could we harness that energy for the good if we don't even know that it's there so that's why the balatan in my my own understanding is that's why i feel like it's right before right in the beginning of our journey one of the first things about tiny wants us to know is that there are a lot of messy stuff inside of you there's a lot of possibilities for disconnection you've got a lot going on there and you might think it's ugly but don't worry it's a very space where you will grow where you will shine like a shell covers the fruit this possibility for disconnection these weaknesses these apparent weaknesses are actually your greatest strengths from here you will grow from here you will shine forth with much greater intensity and strength and beauty so in the sunlight what the balatan is doing he's turning on the light telling us what's going on inside of us this is what you have here you have the fire you have the water you have the wind you have the earth you have the sitra akhra, you have the clipper. This is what's going on inside of you. A lot of messy stuff. Don't worry about it. He turns on the light. And in the sunlight, we can see how the obstacles on our road can support our safe passage and can even become the impetus, the springboards for greater growth. The one more point I want to conclude with, and then we'll open up to more questions, is that our animal self also includes our natural moral inclination our moral inclination towards compassion and kindness for others is also from our nefesh abahamas, from our animal self. Because again, our animal self is not bad, it's not good, it's possibilities and it's our inherent nature. So that's the end of what, what my thoughts on, on Perak Aleph. Amir Tashem, next week we will continue with Perak Bayes. For all of you who are listening and are not here now, you can send in your questions to sterna at energizedliving.org. That's S-H-T-E-R-N-A at energizedliving.org. I love your question because again, it tells me that you're taking this in. So yeah, the reason why it's important to know that we're wired like an animal is because we need to know how low we can go and at the same time, how high we can go. This is our default. Is if, we're not gonna, if we're not yeah. going to work on ourselves, we could easily fall into a toxic mode of behavior. We could invite mm -hmm. a lot of dysfunction into our lives because we have it. There's a potential for it. Now, does it mean right. that that doesn't mean that we should park there? Yay! So I'm a nasty, obnoxious, egoistic maniac, narcissistic, whatever. Right? I'm going to park here and I'm going to live my life. Too bad on everyone else. This is how Hashem wired me. No. Because Hashem also gave me an ashama, and, and every moment that ultimately the answer to the question, which we didn't talk about today, but the Baal question in the beginning is, how should we look at ourselves? And ultimately, we are choosers, and we are empowered right. to choose our better self, our awesome self. So that's, so, but, but it's so important to know that this is our possibility because, yeah, we have it in us. So there's no shame in having in it. There's no avoiding it. You don't have to deny it. And we could, I feel like for me, this personally, it liberates me. It takes 100% of our energy to focus on making healthy, meaningful, productive, beautiful choices in our lives. 
And if part of our energy is invested on covering up the shameful parts of ourselves, our unpleasant tendencies, our messy emotions, our, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word, what you use, our animalistic self. If there's a part of us that's fighting with it and just arguing with it and denying it and needs to cover it up, then we don't have the energy to work and to choose and to live. Yeah, I make mistakes. Yes, I have the possibility to make much worse mistakes. This minute, I'm going to make a better choice. I'm going to repeat your question because it's so great. Isabel Tanya going to give us guidance and how to get out of all this mud and all this stuff that we're talking about here? And the answer is 100% yes. This is a step-by-step guide into not only how to get out of this, but to live with absolute empowerment, unstoppable, beautiful light showing up in every moment. That's what this is. It's a step-by-step guide for not just getting over it, but being over it, like really living with beauty, with a lot of beauty and empowerment and shining light. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. I don't know. To me, they're all messy. <laughs> if it's in me, it's a mess. If it's in you, it's clean. But if it's in me, it's a mess. I, I, you know what? Honestly, I, I never examined that closely. I know that some people do, and they spend a lot of time analyzing which personality traits go right, into which. But to me, it's irrelevant, and I'll tell you why. Okay, okay. The path forward is okay. the same, no matter what it's coming from within me, yeah. it's all the same. We know the general roots, but we want to know the path forward. That's what we're going to exactly. focus on. Have a wonderful week and a good Shabbos. Thanks for joining.